Okay, praise the Lord. Tonight I want to talk to you about the subject of callings are calling you. Everybody say it. Callings are calling me. The Holy Spirit is calling me. Now God knows your phone number. And he knows how to call you up. And I just want to tell you just briefly about a time that he called me up. And you know, I was raised as a little, uh, in the Baptist church as a young girl. And uh, really tried to serve God to the best of my ability. But you know, as a young adult, I really wasn't in church, really wasn't doing the things I needed to do to grow in him. And one day I had a lady and she called me up on the phone. And she was from a campaign that was a national campaign at that time called I Found It. And she called me up and she said, Hi, I'm from I Found It. Have you found Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, I was so proud to say, yes, I have. (laughs) But then she said, Oh, that's so great. What church do you go to? And I said, Well, I don't go to church. And she said, Why not? And I said, well, because I have small children and it just doesn't fit in my life right now. But, you know, I pray and everything. (laughs) And, you know, all of a sudden this lady on the other end who did not know me, who had never spoken to me before, began to weep. And she began to cry. And it was very strange to me. And she said, oh, honey, can I just please send you some material in the mail? And really, I just wanted to get off the phone. So I said, sure, go ahead. And so she did. And so this material, it didn't come the next day or the next day, but on the third day, after the Holy Ghost had been moving on me, wooing my heart, drawing him unto me. What happened was I got home, went to the mailbox, and there was this packet that she had sent me. And I opened it up, and I sat down on the couch, and the Spirit of God began to move. He began to just sit on me. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit sit on you? And all of a sudden, it was like, okay. There was just a surrendering, a surrendering to God. And I said, okay. I'll tell you what, I don't want to know what religion says. I don't want to know what the Baptists say, the Catholic, the Presbyterian, the Methodist. I don't want to know what the Pentecostals say. I want to know what you say. And if you will reveal yourself to me, I will serve you with all my heart. And do you know that he is still answering That prayer today. I was seeking truth. And there's so much more to the testimony that that's not the purpose of this, the the message tonight. But what I want to say is because of that step of obedience of that lady. That lady was called up for service for God. To call people on the phone that she did not know. I'm sure she had many rejections. But guess what? When she called me up, it was God calling me up, and I answered the call. Amen?
And shortly after that, just months after that, God gathered a group of us, a small group together, from whence this church here had its roots. And that lady won't know this side of heaven. All that has been accomplished because she answered the call. Amen? He's going to call you up. He's going to call you up with assignments. Heavenly assignments. We can see this in the life of Moses, for example. We can see it in Esther. We can see it in David. Now, he may not call you up to split the Red Sea, but whatever he calls you up to do, and whatever profession he leads you in, you are going to be responsible to answer to him for that call, for that course. Because I believe this, that no matter what we do, whatever endeavor we set our hands and heart to, it must be done with a spiritual touch. Amen? I don't care if it's straightening the chairs. If your heart is to bring glory into God, that is a spiritual touch. And God will bless it. Today, you know, I was thinking about this. Not only does God call you up for special assignments, but he will actually call you up on a daily basis. He calls you up. I looked up that word call or callings in Strong's. And it was so interesting. I saw several different meanings and I want to share them with you tonight. One of them simply meant just to call or to call unto. See, God will call unto you. He will summons or invite you. He will call for you. Sometimes it's a call again with a commission. And God will commission you wherein he grants to you authority and grace for a job. A commission. It's a place of work. You know, if we have ships that they're put out of commission, they're out of what? They're out of work. But see, God wants everyone to work, especially in harvest. And this is harvest time. This is the dispensation. Amen. For souls. And God is always open for employment. He wants to employ you. First, this is what he does. He calls you. Maybe you just get a desire in your heart. Maybe you just... Maybe he just speaks to you different ways through a message or through the word. And he'll confirm it and confirm it again and then confirm it again. And you'll know it's his leading and you'll begin to follow it. He calls you up. Then he does something else. He equips you. He equips you. When you respond to the call, God equips you. And another part of that meaning of the word calling meant to bring endowment to you. He endows you. He brings to you or provides you with talents. He provides you with qualities. I thought that was an interesting word. He provides you with courage. That was another definition. He provides you with the money 
to do what he's called you to do with the resources. He provides you with the training. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have to apply your faith in these areas. Because faith is what steps out and reaches out and brings to you what God has for you. Amen? Praise the Lord. So first he calls you, then he equips you, then he does something else. He qualifies you. Now see, qualifying is a proving time. It's a time where you've got to be found faithful. I mean, in the good times, in the bad times, and yes, in the ugly times. You've got to be found faithful. When you're faithful in that which is little, he will then make you faithful or ruler in that which is much. But he got to be found faithful, faithful in the training time, faithful in the equipping time. So he calls you, he equips you, he qualifies you, and then he sends you. He sends you. God will send you where you allow him to equip and equip, uh, qualify you. Did you get that? God will send you to the places, to the things, to the endeavors in, in the same proportion that you allow him to equip you and qualify you. So that where preparation meets opportunity, you have what? success you make your own way prosperous and you find good success another meaning for the word calling was a calling together or an assembly that has a little bit of a different emphasis another meaning was a call to a feast now god wants to sup with us And he wants us to sup with him. He wants communion with us. He wants fellowship. He longs for it. And fellowship is not the same as relationship. You know, you can get married to somebody and you can legally have a relationship with them and never talk to them again the rest of your life. That's relationship. But it's not fellowship. Fellowship is where you come together, you break bread, you commune. You talk to him and he talks to you. There's a divine exchange that goes on from heaven, from God's heart to your heart. It's a glorious thing. John 16, 7 tells us that in fellowship, God will do this. He will be your comforter. Oh, that's good news. Notice that's the first thing that he says that he is. He's your comforter. Don't you know we need comforter in this world that we live in? He's your comforter. He'll be your counselor. He will help you. He will be your advocate. He will be your intercessor. He will strengthen you. He will stand by you. In verse 13, it says the spirit also will lead you into truth, the whole and full truth. And you know what the truth does? It sets you free. And you know what else it does? It keeps you free. Hallelujah. That's what fellowshipping with God does. 
God will give you direction when you're in fellowship with him. He'll show you some things. You know, the other night I had to go somewhere. I had to go down Mission Boulevard. And I hadn't been on Mission Boulevard for quite some time. There's a lot of construction going on. The lights were very dim. You couldn't see very well. And I headed off and I had to be down by Industrial Parkway by eight, by before 8 o'clock. So I headed down there, and as I headed down, all of a sudden I thought, you know what, I've gone too far. I've missed, I've missed my turn. I need to turn around and go back. So I pulled over to the side, turned around, and started going back, and went back about two and a half miles when I realized I was almost back to Jackson. Okay, so that delayed me even more. Now, here's the deal. I have a navigation system in my car. (laughs) But see, I didn't want to take the time to pull over because it won't work when you're in motion. And I didn't want to take the time to pull over that would take me 30 seconds to put in the address so I could go the right direction because I thought I would waste time. When we don't go in fellowship with God, guess what? It doesn't only cost us time. I I bet you 99% of the time, it'll cost you money too. It'll cost you a lot not to hear God's voice, not to follow him. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He took the first step. He sent Jesus. Now it's your turn to respond. You draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Something interesting that Strong says about the phrase draw near in James 4, 8. It means it's actually a verb. Or I don't know if you would say verbs, but draw near, it says is a verb. And... It can only be used in the present. I thought that was interesting. To draw near, you have to do it in the present, like right now. That's how you draw near. It's like korban. You've heard that word korban, that Hebrew word? It's a drawing near. It means to come closer. It means to return to God. It means to come from one place to another. It's like going from, as pastor says, the AM to the FM. You know, when we're going down, doing our stuff during the day, and we're we're working in the natural, in the arm of our own flesh, and all of a sudden we get this thought, oh, you know, what do you say, Lord? And he directs you. He shows you stuff, you know? Glory to God. I remember being lost on a computer once trying to figure out some kind of accounting thing and I was lost for days and I murmured and I complained and I wandered in the wilderness and I never found my way out and all of a sudden I got this thought. Pray. (laughs) And I did. And I mean it was awesome because the moment I prayed it was like that cartoon character that had the light bulb come on. (gasps) Oh, I know what to do. That's the anointing. That comes from fellowship. It comes from responding to his voice and his call. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, one thing I know is that 
when you are approaching someone, the closer that you get, the better that you can see them. The closer you get to God, the better you can see him. The easier it is to hear his voice. You know, when you got your back to someone, it's difficult to hear their voice. You got to turn around. You got to position yourself to hear. The same is true in the spirit. You've got to position yourself to hear what God is saying to you. You can't go off a of logos yesterday's manna. You got to have the rhema of God. Amen. Sometimes you just got to make some adjustments. You got sometimes it's a minor adjustment. You know like the rudder of a boat will take you off course if it's slightly off. Or if you go to a chiropractor, he'll make an adjustment and the life will begin to flow. Sometimes it's just slight adjustments that you need to make. And you won't get those adjustments unless you get in the word and you get before God. And that mirror of the word reflects back to you how you should be behaving, what you should be doing. Amen? Glory to God. God is calling us upward. He's calling you upward to a higher place that he wants us all as the body of Christ to ascend to. It's into the deep. Have you heard that before? Launch out into the deep. Isn't that what he said to Peter? Launch out. It's like when Peter went to do something that he could not do in and of himself. Jesus called to him come but peter had to take a step of faith step out of the boat and begin to walk and he began to do something that he could not do in and of himself but you know as long as peter kept his eyes on jesus he could continue to do what God called him to do. But you know there's distractions in life. And they'll just pull at, the, at you, won't they, Eddie? They'll just pull on you. And you have to say, no, I refuse to be distracted. Hallelujah. I've been saying that all week. God just has had me saying, I refuse to be frustrated. The root of fear is frustration. I refuse to be distracted. I'm staying on course. How about you? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, he's calling. Will you answer the call? That's a choice. But it's one you get to make. If you answer the call, he's going to give you grace and he's going to give you ability. He's going to give you some things that's part of the equipping. Actually, grace is empowerment. That's what grace is. It's the power of God coming on you to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Now, I want to look at a couple keys. We're going to look at uh, James chapter 4 and verse 6. If you want to turn there, please. These are a few keys to receiving his grace 
and his empowerment so that we can walk out those places that he calls us unto. Verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives more grace unto the humble. You know, sometimes we just think that we know just how it needs to be. And that's pride. Because we we need to acknowledge him, amen? We need to look to him for direction and say, okay, God, what saith thou? So humility is a key to empowerment of the spirit. Now, we can do some things that God has called us to do. We don't want to get in this place where we're over-spiritualizing. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we need to recognize that without him, we cannot. And without us, he will not. We're workers together. Amen? Amen? Workers together. So humility is a key to the grace and empowerment of the Spirit. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. There again, humility. You want to walk in higher places? You want to walk in that place of holiness? You want to walk where God walks? You got to have a humble heart, a teachable spirit, a spirit of meekness about you. Where you're just like willing to learn and grow every day. Because God got has new things to show you every day. Um, Again, this is the qualifying. Oh, wait a minute. Again, verse 7. Therefore, submit yourself to God. That's the next key. Submitting yourself to God. You know what that's called? It's called obedience. So you've got to have humility and you've got to have obedience. Obedience, which is submission. And that's another key to the grace and empowerment of God to be able to walk in those places that he has called you unto. Again, drawing nigh to him, drawing near to him, and then him drawing near to you. Why do we want to do this? Well, let's look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14. You know this scripture. You know this passage of scripture. But I want us to read it together here tonight. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you. He wants to give you something. What's he going to give you? He's going to give you hope. Hope is an anchor for your soul. When your soul wants to drift out there and try to wander and can't figure things out. Know this, God is your hope. So he wants to give you a hope and he wants to give you a future. He says, then you will, you do what you will do something. You will call on him. You will call on me and you will come and you will pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you seek with me, seek me with all of your heart. 
I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. If anybody's in captivity tonight, I've got a word for you. Call on the Lord. Seek him with all your heart. And he will be found. And he will deliver you. And he'll bring you back from whatever captivity seems to be in your life at this time. He has a good plan for us. It's not just a plan. It's a glorious plan. It's a good plan. It's a plan of peace. And we just got to follow him. How do we follow him, you might say? Well, we follow him by following his word. Follow his word and follow the spirit. That's the guide. What does his word say? Well, let's just take the Ten Commandments. Who can give me one? Honor your father and your mother. Thou shall not what? You stop short. You shall not covet. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall have no other gods before you. What else? Can you think of something else? You shall not murder. How about that? How about this one? How about this one? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That is a commandment, folks. You know, these things are so important that we have the word hid in our heart that we might not sin against him. That's what David said. You know, the, the, the law of love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. You know, it's a commandment of love that you love God. First of all, this is a standard by which we're to love. We're to love God with all our heart with all our soul, with all our might, with all our strength, with all our being, with all our substance. That's how we're to love God. Second standard, love your neighbor. How? As yourself. Third standard, how do we love the household of faith? How do we love one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ? The Bible says, as Christ loved the church. Giving himself. Amen. That's the highest degree of love. That's the standard that we're to love by. And so if we do these things, you know, there's a place of humility. There's a place of obedience that brings grace and it brings empowerment. God knows where he wants to take us. He does. He knows. Now, I have another little story for you. I was driving out on Vasco Road this week. And it's a two-lane wo- road on many, pl- on many places on Vasco. It's like a corridor. Some places they've expanded, but primarily two lanes. And I was, I was driving down. I was entering into Vasco where the two lanes were in this corridor. And all of a sudden, I, I saw that there was an accident on the other side of the road. And there had been some spillage, but it looked like they had been cleaning it up. And they, uh, it delayed me a little bit, but I was able to go. But on the other side, the traffic was stopped. And it wasn't just stopped for a mile or two. Honestly, it was probably backed up at least five miles through Vasco. And you can't turn around. You're just stuck there. And as I watched the oncoming cars beginning to approach, and they were a ways out, and they didn't know what was going on. They were approaching. They were driving full speed ahead, you know, 55 miles an hour. I thought, oh, I just want to warn them. 
I just want to tell them, hey, turn around. (laughs) You know why? Because I could see into their future. Did you know that God sees into our future? God is amazing. He does not look at time like we look at time. You know, he look, he's like in the center of time. It's like a wheel with hubs or spokes going out. And he sees the past. He sees the present. He sees the future. And he sits in the middle of time. And he can walk up and down those corridors. And he wants to tell us some things. He wants to show us some things. But just like I couldn't tell those people some things about their future on Vasco Road because I could not communicate with them, God cannot tell you things about your future, about your day. Let's bring it to the present. He wants to tell you about your day. He wants to help you in your day, in your work, in your profession, in your calling. Amen? But he can if you don't communicate with him. Amen? We got to live according to Proverbs 3, 5. In the New Living Translation, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Do you know you have limited insight? But God doesn't. He knows all. It says, seek his will in all you do. Seek his insight in all you do. And he will show you. He will show you. He will give directions. He'll show you which path to take. Now, that's amazing to me. We can invite him into our day. And he will anoint our day. And he'll give us insight about today. And that insight will affect tomorrow. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a way that seems right unto man. But the Bible says the end of it is what? Death. There's a way that seems logical. That this is what you ought to do. Because if you do this, you'll get this. There's a way that seems right unto man. Sometimes people get involved in relationships. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers when it comes to marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. But you know, they override that. They reason it out. Because it's logical. This person has everything else together. It's a way that seems right into man. But what is the end of it? The end of it is the absence of God's presence. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to live without the presence of God in my life. Amen? So in all of our ways, we have to do what? Acknowledge him. Look to him. Amen? Look to his word. When a way seems right to you, what divides between the soul and the spirit? What does the Bible say? The word. So you go back to the word. So if you're contemplating a relationship, what does the word say? Do not be unequally yoked together. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Psalms 37.4 says, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, isn't that good news? 
You know, you try to make your own way. Here, Lord, here's my plan. You bless it. But see, what we need to know is God's plan because it's already blessed. And see, when we go to him and we respond to his callings, what happens is he creates in you his desire. And then he can bring it to pass. So he'll give you the desire of your heart. Amen? Amen. Now, as a body of believers here at Heart of the Bay Christian Center, the Lord wants us to respond to his call corporately. And we are not of those that hear his voice and harden our hearts. We're receptive. We respond. Right now, we're in a prayer emphasis. And he's calling us upward, as we sang, to higher places. Higher places corporately to do more in this community, to do more in this area. Amen? But we need all hands on deck to get to the next phase of what he's called us to do. We need people responding. He's called us to a higher place of corporate prayer. Pastors called for prayer meetings, and he's exhorted you to come, and you're responding. That's awesome. You know, that corporate prayer meeting is a place where we move together in prayer, where there is a spirit of prayer. And a spirit of prayer is prayer that God sends to move in the dimensions where he wants to move. Did you get that? I'm going to say it again. A spirit of prayer is prayer that God sends to move us in the dimensions where he wants to move. Now, those are higher places, higher thoughts. Amen? And when you miss out, you miss part of that supply where God wants to work something in you. Oftentimes, those times are accompanied by, like, um, a, a prophetic prayer where God grants utterance and you're praying, you know, by the spirit, not out of your head, but out of your heart. And as you pray, you'll sense that he's preparing you for something. He's preparing us for something. He's preparing us to receive that which he's called us to. He works a work. You see, it's twofold. He prepares us. He prepares our hearts, and then he prepares the path through those times of prayer. When God calls you, he begins to, uh, and you begin to pray, he begins to do some amazing things. Again, his desire grows deeper in you. You deeply desire the things that he desires. You yearn for them. Because he works that work in you. He works, again, that desire in you. He, you know what it'll do? It'll change your pattern of life. You'll begin to follow another pattern. Do you remember when we were kids and they'd cut dresses out? I used to sew and seamstresses follow a pattern to get, you know, a product, to get maybe a beautiful dress. But when we follow God's pattern... We create something beautiful. You know what? Another thing you'll notice. You'll notice that you'll be bolder about stepping out and launching out into the deep. Again, the deep is unfamiliar places. 
places you haven't been before, things you haven't done before, things that you would not do alone. That's the deep. Walking on the water. To launch out into the deep, you must pray from your heart and not your head. And it takes connecting with God's heart working in your heart. It's when prayer is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it quickens the word to you. It quickens the direction that God is leading to you and it makes it come alive in your heart. That's called rhema. That's what God will do in and through you when you respond to his call. When you begin to fellowship with him. You know, think about the disciples being called by Jesus. They were fishermen and they were out there fishing with no fish. But they took a step toward the call. As Jesus called them, they responded to Jesus' word. Did it make sense to go back out there when they had toiled all night? But what did they say? They said, nevertheless, at your word. They responded to the call and the word became alive to them. It was living in them. And as a result, they received the fruit. What was the fruit? Provision. You know, they were leaving their homes. God doesn't just expect you to be called by him and leave your home and not pay your rent, not pay your obligations. That haul they took in, I'm sure it took care of their families. You know, Peter was married. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So God left provision. Why they stepped out to do some things God was calling them to do. Now, I'm not saying leave your families. But I'm saying God will provide for you what you need when you respond to his call. Sometimes people receive a leading from God and then they take one step. And it's good. (laughs) And they take that step, but they stop continuing to seek God for the second step. And then they go to do something else where, you know, the scriptures in, in what is it? Galatians three. Are you so foolish? God calls that foolishness that you've begun in the spirit and you're ending up in the flesh. You know, you've got to make sure you get that second step from God. The direction on the who, what, when, where, how, and why the timing of things is critical. Cause if you miss that, it's very dangerous. And you'll go away blaming God. Amen? Church, we must continue to respond to his callings. And we must grow in our prayer life. And we must fulfill the plan of God, the will of God, the purpose of God that God has called us to individually and corporately. Isaiah 56 verse 17 says this. My people. Is that us? He says, my people shall be called the house of prayer. Prayer is communing with God. Prayer is working with heaven. As we yield to the call of the spirit and the spirit of prayer, and as we bring our supply 
God will create, again, beautiful tapestry because he will work a work that brings forth a wonder. You know, your, your piece of thread over here brings this piece of thread and he just, he, he weaves it together and it creates something beautiful. You think, how can my little piece of thread do anything? Well, you know, it can just bring beauty to that tapestry as it's woven all the way through. And that's what God is creating, a beautiful tapestry. Amen. And again, he will work a work in you and through you that'll bring forth a wonder And that wonder will bring glory to God because it's something that a wonder, the definition of a wonder is something that causes people to stand up and take notice that God has been here. That brings glory to God. When you're operating in your callings and your professions with the anointing of God, equipped and qualified and he's sending you. Amen. He is faithful who has called you and he will establish you. Do you receive it tonight? Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, as I started this message, I started to talk about the definitions of the word call from Strong's. But there's yet just one more. And I want to talk to you about that for just a moment here. It says that here, um, the word call, it also has this meaning. A call is a divine uh, invitation, a divine invitation. Listen to this. A divine invitation to embrace salvation in the kingdom of God. Translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, which is especially made through the preaching of the word. So God has a call out there for some folks tonight. He wants to invite you into his family. And in Romans chapter 11 and verse 29, he says this, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God does not repent of his invitation for salvation. No matter your past, no matter your present, God is longing for you to come into the family of God. He is not willing that any perish. But he wants you to have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. He wants you to live here on the earth empowered by his spirit. Amen. And so, if you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's inviting you. He's calling to you. He's standing at the door of your heart and he's just knocking. Amen. And he he says, if you just open the door, open the door to your heart and he will come in.